Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, I'm going to be talking with D. Knight. He's the host of the Pardon the Insurrection podcast. I love him. I've been following him on Twitter for some time. He's also on Spoutable. I think we're probably going to talk about that a little bit, but we have so much to get into. Before we do, though, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Now please enjoy my conversation with D Knight. Welcome to the show, D. It's a pleasure to be here, Kimberly. I'm happy that you're here. I've I've really enjoyed not only do I enjoy your Twitter I enjoy the names that you choose for yourself on Twitter because it always starts with, I smoked something. <laughs> and it's like, right now, Uh-oh. what is it like? <laughs> I, I, I smoked the, T- the Tennessee GOP. <laughs> it's like, every time I see that you've changed it, I laugh. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And then also, we kind of, we've been following each other for a while, but I would say that we had a closer connection because of Boozy, Christopher Boozy and Spoutable, which I'm going to talk to you about in a minute. But before we get into the show, <laughs> I want you to tell everybody about you and your podcast. Well, um, for starters, I would say, um, as you were so astute in pointing <laughs> out, my, my Twitter handle is um, <laughs> at Black Knight 10K, but the screen name changes yeah. <laughs> to mirror the, the current events in today's politics. Um, it's, it's not the most novel idea in the world, but, uh, <laughs> but I will tell you how that started, though. Mm-hmm. Um as you can imagine, uh, back in the in the 2017s, the 2018s, uh, Trump would regularly regularly make all these insane uh, allusions to things. No one would know what he was talking about, or he would say these insane things, and you're like, "Oh my God! Like this, this is wild! Like I can't believe a sitting president of the United States is out here saying all this crazy stuff." Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, I can't, you, you couldn't even keep track of it all. And I was like, you know what would be a great idea? It's like, maybe I should like change my screen name to reflect this one crazy thing he said that, that I don't want to forget. I always want to remember this. And then I changed it. And then like a week later, he said something even more insane. And so I was like, oh my, all right. And I was like, all right, I'll change it this one last time because I never want to forget this thing. And then it was like, all right, it's the coronavirus pandemic. Um, there was that famous press conference where, where Trump got on the stage and in front of the cameras and, and he suggested that, uh, you know, numerous people across the country should inject themselves with bleach to, to help fight COVID. Yeah. And, and also one of the, you know, one of the alternative treatments he suggested, uh, again, don't get your medical advice from Trump, by the way, <laughs> um, was, <laughs> was the, horse dewormer oh hydroxy <laughs> no rather not the horse dewormer but um hydroxychloroquine right um <laughs> yes yeah so i was like all right this is wild i can't <laughs> believe he got on tv in the midst of this like what well, a normal normal president supposed to be bringing our country together and like letting you know his, his chief virologist give the country some sound medical advice no instead he's like Hey, take this drug. It's not even proven to, to <laughs> exactly. fight COVID. So I was like, all right, I'm going to change my screen name again. <laughs> so I changed it 
to I smoked hydroxychloroquine. And, <laughs> and of course, like that, that was not the end of his insane rambling. So I just kept the I smoked part and, and, and changed it to a whole period, uh, numerous titles to reflect the insanity. Now, of course, you can't smoke hydroxychloroquine. You're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, that's that's beyond the point. But yeah, so that's how that whole thing got started. Uh, and I guess you could say that was a part of my rise to acclaim on the Twitter, <laughs> the entertaining screen names. Uh, I, <laughs> again, the whole thing started as to keep track of all the craziness. Yeah. I, I have to admit, it's been like three years now since I started doing that. I <laughs> barely remember any of the names I've changed it to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very entertaining. And so at least there's that, right? (laughs) If you can't remember anything, you've been making us laugh. (laughs) And so, yeah, talk about, talk about, that's what you have to do. Talk about your podcast. Okay. So, um, last year, uh, I pitched the idea of starting a podcast with the, a couple of Twitter associates of mine, um, Carol and Ty, and, and they were down, down for the experience of of, of getting together and and doing something. I feel like because we spend all our all of our time on Twitter, um, and Twitter is such a it, it's very interesting as far as social media goes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very bite sized and minute. Yeah. Um, way of consuming or or sharing information and we wanted to do something a little bit more long form i mean of course like podcasting would would fit that mm-hmm. just by definition um the way that you can spend a little spend more time devoted on any given topic and and kind of share more in-depth thought um and I feel like well, one of the things about podcasting is I'm sure you know, like the the barrier to entry is low, but <laughs> but the barrier to success is high. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it might seem like um, an endeavor that's that's flooded as far as competition goes, but there's there's not a lot of people out there doing podcasting well, and so we feel like uh, given our Twitter audience, that would give us a lane to do something productive in the in the podcasting department. And if anything, I mean, I feel like so I'll go back. In 2016, obviously, uh, you probably like I were were stunned at mm-hmm. the fact that this country somehow managed to elect Donald Trump as president. Yeah. And um. It eventually got to the point that through his presidency, um, I, I had been reflecting on, on, you know, my past endeavors and the way I had invested my time in life. And I wish I had done more previously to be in a position to do something to stop 2016 from happening again. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of sitting around wondering, like, why isn't anyone else doing anything, uh, you know, me and my fellow co-host decided we don't need to sit around on the bench waiting for other people to pick up the fight. Mm -hmm. We need to, you know, do, we need to pick up arms and do some of the fighting ourselves. And and if we can do that, then maybe we can help inspire a handful of other people who are willing to do the same thing. And and maybe that trend will continue so that we don't ever end up in a situation like we Mm. ended up with over the past six or seven years with our insane political environment yes and i said so in the intro but your show is called uh, what is the i hear uh pardon the insurrection 
So, um, pardon the insurrection. Yes, pardon the insurrection. So that's everywhere, right? I mean, you're all over. Are you on all the platforms? Yes, you can get that on Apple. Uh, sadly, Spotify. Even right. though I have some <laughs> gripes with uh, yeah. the way they run their business and their mm-hmm. business model, uh, but yeah, any anywhere podcast can be streamed. You can find our podcast. That's that's part of the insurrection. Um, again, the title there is kind of a funny play on words. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of your listeners are sports fans, but there's a uh, a very popular, long running ESPN television show called "Pardon the Interruption." Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's kind of a play on that. Right. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> so you know, uh, when you're telling people you're, the title of your podcast, you're like, "Oh, it's about politics, huh?" What's the title? Like, you know, I live in Tennessee, and oh, wow. I'm sure this will come up later in the podcast, but. Tennessee, fairly red state here, mm-hmm. right? So you're like, oh, yeah, listen to my podcast. It's called Pardon the Insurrection. Well, like, the funny thing about that play on words is, like, you don't know which way to take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it could be ironic or it could be literal. Yeah. Like, if it's something like, oh, you know, I wish Trump would burn in hell right. podcast. Like, <laughs> not not many people around here are going to sign up for that. So, no, I don't yeah. think so. You know, it's so funny because I know <laughs> – what you mean, there was this one time when I had to go buy some equipment for my podcast and I went to Best Buy and, okay, I'm, I always forget how to say this correctly, so maybe you, you can correct me on this. Is it chic or shake? Is it a shake? I think it's called a shake. This guy was a shake. He was wearing a <laughs> turban on his head. I don't know how to pronounce it, so you'll just have to excuse me. I know I'm getting it right halfway, so I'll go with that. But anyway, so he was, let's just say it was he was a shake and he was... Um, you know, helping me out. And so he says, what do you need this for? And I said, well, I'm doing a podcast. Oh, what kind of podcast do you do? And I said, well, it's a political podcast. And I looked at him and I said, it's a liberal one. And as soon as I said that, it was like, you could see the relief in his eyes. Everything about him <laughs> changed. And then he, he went off and, I, and it made me actually feel bad because he kind of went off into this tangent and he was talking about how much he loves America and how... um like he was trying to sell himself to me. Like, I love America. I love America. And I, I, I can't imagine what he's dealt with um, for him to feel like he had to convince me a liberal, you know, somebody who said, I do a liberal podcast that, you know, like I'm really a good guy. And it made me feel kind of sad because I just felt like, wow, you know, but I, I think about that too. It was funny because uh, my boyfriend and I were dealing, oh, I was buying a new car. And we were in the finance office, and so this guy, we were in Virginia, so this guy's like, you know, finds out we both do podcasts, and he's like, oh, what kind of show do you do? And my boyfriend's also political, is Bob Suska, and he's, he's like, oh, well, you know, I, yeah. he, he, he said everything but politics, and, and it was like, he said current events, pop culture, things like that, because it's like, you don't, especially when you're dealing with a finance manager, you know, I don't want him hating right. on me. So who knows? But it's funny. Like you say, when you tell someone you're doing a podcast and then you say it's political you, you, and you don't know who you're talking to, it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> what are they going to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. No, you uh, don't. Especially especially around here. Like, I, I don't know um, where you live specifically, but... But here I live in Nashville, so it's a wow. it's a blue dot and an yeah. extremely red state at this point. Um, but even here, um, you know, uh, every other person voted for Trump, mm-hmm. so that's that's something to yeah. keep in mind when you bring bring up any kind of political yep. leaning. Um, yeah, it's just funny that you um, 
you brought up the shake there's this um there's this movie, denzel washington movie it's fairly fairly popular it's, it's been out for you know over a decade now so no spoiler alerts <laughs> or at least you don't have to worry about that but yeah it's called inside <laughs> man and there's this there's this scene where they're like interrogating people about this bank robbery and like they're harassing this guy and they think he's like some kind of muslim terrorist and mm. like he's like oh no bro i'm i'm a shake like why are you even like yeah, it's just it's, it's insane the, <laughs> wow. the i mean it's just insane yeah. the level of vitriol we have for people just because they differ slightly mm-hmm. culturally than whatever they're perceived normal quote-unquote american should be i i don't even understand how we got to that point given that you know this country is built on immigration (laughs) like it it, it was founded on immigrants taken from the actual natives so i anyway yeah yeah, gotten too politically serious there let me not bring the (laughs) the mood down (laughs) no but but that's important you know i mean i currently i'm in maryland i'm basically in the dc area but i spent the majority of my Uh life in los angeles and because of that experience, I feel like, you know, I mean, there's, of course, there is, uh, you know, hatred, there's racism, there's sexism, there's all of the isms and the bigotry and all that. It all exists there. It exists in a different way, I would say, than I've experienced it on the East Coast. And I think it's interesting, too, because I moved to Los Angeles when I was nine in 1977. And so I went to, you know, basically public schools out in Baltimore when I was a kid. And so I had a certain experience and I will say it's gotten better and I do believe it's more diverse here. But, you know, I mean, the civil war was here and you can kind of, the way I look at it is like, you can kind of feel it hanging in the air. And even though there is, um, you know, like I was saying racism and all that stuff on the West coast, right. it's, it's a different, it's just different. But my experience over there, of course, you know, everyone in so many people in Los Angeles are just, you know, who they want to be and whether they're gay or they're cross-dressing or they're um you know whatever it is that you want to be it's usually widely more accepted and i i can't say that it's a hundred percent but it's you know there i've seen all kinds everybody's in la everybody's different and i grew up kind of appreciating that and so it, it is it's very difficult to watch what's happening and understand you know i mean i have family members who are discriminatory and they say horrible things and you know how you navigate that it's just, it's really tough to watch what's happening and especially because i don't know how old you are and i've said this before but as a 54 year old woman as a gen xer i grew up watching things like sesame street and free to be you and me and it just seemed the trajectory we're on was the nation was going into like hey we're all here let's you know this is a melting pot let's celebrate that and and, and unfortunately I'm not going to say it was Trump who started it, but Trump absolutely broke open what had already been there, but gave all those people the permission to come out and just be as awful as they can be. And so what I wanted to ask you, though, about, you know, living in Tennessee, you say you're in a blue dot and now you're you know, we've we've had what's happening nationally there with the two Justins and everything that happened to them. Um, what do you take from that? Like, what do you think that that? experience that we just witnessed everything that happened and then them getting reinstated which is fucking awesome how do you think that's going to um like what kind of effect do you think that's going to have moving forward especially with young voters 
Man, I hate to be a real downer, but I got to be honest with you. I think in the long term, I'm pro- it's it's probably going to do nothing. Um, and that's not necessarily because I'm a pessimist or that I don't think like the situation here isn't worthy of national spotlight. Just you you could shine all the spotlights you want here in in all this nonsense. So first of all, this <laughs> the insanity going on with the Tennessee State GOP. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like a daily occurrence. Mm-hmm. It, it's only been made prominent by these recent events. So this is like par for the course, at least for the last decade or so. But uh, part of the reason I don't think it'll make any lasting change or, or long-term impact is because, well, I mean, let, let's just take, for instance, um, the massive amount of nationwide protest in, in 2020 over police violence directed at black people. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it seemed like if we this country could reach that level of groundswell and mm-hmm. support of you know fighting against institutionalized racism and violence against black people like if, if that didn't create some kind of long-lasting systemic change i'm i'm just i i've given up on the idea that anything or at least any one galvanizing factor will so um it is um <clears throat> It's a travesty what happened to mm-hmm. the to the justices here. Of course, like <laughs> I guess the the Tennessee GOP here will try to frame it as though uh, you know uh, it's it's not because those two individuals were black. Hey, we tried to expel this this other member, this nice white lady, as they would like to put it. But and, and I will have to say, Gloria Johnson actually is a, a wonderfully nice lady. Um, <laughs> As far as uh, liberal representatives would go, she is she is exactly what you would want in 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 someone representing your political views. Um, but um, the fact that <laughs> the two men were expelled mm-hmm. from the state legislature here, but not the not the nice white lady, just hammers home the fact that. Uh, that view that you held about the way the nation was progressing was mm-hmm. was not necessarily accurate or no. reflective of how we'll call them a a minor a large minority of people around the country felt right so, yeah and and I don't think necessarily that Trump was the galvanizing factor for this right Trump is not necessarily a product product of his own making he is the person who happened to capitalize on the circumstances to his benefit more so than, than other Republican candidates, the real ga- galvanizing factor for the the situation that created Trump in his presidency was, was the election of a black man yes. to send to the office of not president of the United States in 2008. So I hate that to agree with the, you, but yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, let me ask you this, because I I want to, it's funny, because sometimes I, if somebody comes up with the optimistic point of view, then I automatically think, well, what about this? So since you have the reverse of that, and you're not feeling like anything's going to come of this, and I can totally understand why, let me throw this in and see what you have to say. Because from what I'm witnessing, like, okay, as a woman, I mean, I'm 54, I'm not going to get pregnant, so abortion isn't you know, my personal issue, although of course I care about it. Um, I did not want them to kill Roe v. Wade, but I knew what the, if they did, I knew that it would prove 
to be galvanizing for Democratic voters. I don't think abortion was the only thing that brought voters out, but it was absolutely a huge big deal and it got everybody's attention. So a lot of people did say, oh my God, I, I, I either waking up to what's going on and if they hadn't been paying attention all of a sudden now it's very personal to them. So, and then on top of it, Republicans, instead of just doing that and staying quiet, they're doubling down and they're trying to get abortion bans. And, you know, we, we might be talking about that fucking doctor who banned that abortion pill drug and all that stuff. All this stuff is happening. And what I'm seeing is, you know, people are getting more and more angry. And then they're and then the Republicans are just doubling down on all of their horrible policies, all of their horrible culture wars instead of understand like you know you brought up sports i'm not a sports person but i know that after every play in football you know people go over the play coach will go over the game and say what did we do wrong and what can we do to improve it republicans aren't doing that they're just doubling down on their bullshit on their racism on their sexism on all of it and i'm just wondering if if perhaps that while in tennessee that's just one small part of the bigger problem that's going on but as these republicans continue to behave the way that they're behaving saying and doing such horrible and shocking things young people are starting to really wake up and vote do you think that that's going to have an impact maybe not tennessee alone but part of a bigger picture of how the republicans are behaving so horribly that their people are just getting sick of them do you see that playing into it uh, absolutely. If they had stuck to just being simply racist, like just by a matter of simple math, I mean, the way the United States works is at least <laughs> the way the distribution of population in the United States works. I mean, there's a severe, it's just a massive amount of white people. And I don't mean this in like some kind of derogatory fashion, but they just don't have to interact with black people. Mm-hmm in any shape, form, or fashion. So racism is kind of a, it is a dividing line for uh, motivating a number of um, young people's political views, but it's not necessarily the dividing factor. But Mm -hmm. I would say the difference with that versus abortion is, is everyone knows a woman. (laughs) That's true. You have a mother, you have a sister, you have a daughter, you have a grandmother, you have friends, family, coworkers, you know women everywhere, mm-hmm. and this affects every single woman, whether it's it's about choosing to have a, a child or not. It's it's a, it's about um, the possible negative implications of of not having mm-hmm. the option to have a, abortion available to them, and 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 beyond that, just medical treatment in general. I mean, one of the major issues with um, Republicans in their unending attack on abortion, abortion care providers, is is that they run OBGYNs out of red states. Like it's nearly impossible to get the kind of uh, health care you need when you do choose to have a baby. Because yeah. Republicans have so gutted the system. So there's these there's these large, ever increasing. Um, reverberating consequences that will stem from all of their, their bad behavior. But, but I was just pessimistic about the racial angle because I don't think there will be a single event mm-hmm. that, that will galvanize society, but there are drops in a bucket yeah. and eventually that, that bucket will overflow. So there is that. 
Um, incremental progress, the thing we all hate. We're like, why can't we just fix everything all overnight? Well, mm-hmm. that's that's because there are opposition to these things. But yeah. exactly. sadly, incremental <laughs> progress is probably what we'll have to hope for to solve these problems long term. Yeah, I mean, I was having this conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day about that. And, you know, I was talking about the Equal Rights Amendment and how women have been waiting for this for since 1923. And, you know, it almost passed in the 70s. And then Phyllis Schlafly came along. She started her anti-ERA campaign. It worked. And then, you know, it's funny because there were only three states needed. And then when and, and it had been lingering forever. And then Trump comes along and those three states got ratified. But of course, now the Republicans don't want it to clear the hurdle of going into the Constitution, which it should be doing. It should just be. I think the the wording of the text of the ERA is like after two years, when 38 states ratify, it's supposed to go in the Constitution. I think it was ratified in 2020. So we're in 2023. I do believe so. Yeah. So it's not in the Constitution yet. And I mean, it, it pisses me off so much that that it's like what and we still have to fucking wait but yes unfortunately you know i'm i'm all i'm extremely progressive in that i'm just all about you know i want universal health care i want a very progressive nation but i recognize that like you said because we're dealing with opposition it's just unrealistic so we have to take this the wins when we get them and i wish that we could um I wish we could be a little bit, I think it's starting to happen. I, I wish we could be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to, you know, I'm seeing Democrats, leaders and campaigners talking about abortion where they were afraid of it before. So I, I don't know. I'm hoping that the Democrats get a little more ballsy with that, and I am seeing it. So I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. But um, I have to take a quick break, but we will be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly, the host of the show you're listening to right now. Are you my Patreon subscriber? Just go to patreon.com slash startmeup, check out all the tiers, and become my patron today. If you do, I'll be your best friend. I swear to God. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with a zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute, and available reclining lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Okay, we're back. What was I going to ask you? Uh, there's so much to, to talk to you about. I have all these things written. Well, let's just quickly go over. Uh, have you seen, you know who Matt Taibbi is, right? Um, yeah, he's a shit stain who basically <laughs> works for Elon Musk in, in spreading misinformation about the the government and, and, and as it concerns the social media 2020 yes. and, and, and before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, and, and okay, so he came, I remember when I was first introduced to him, back when I liked Bomar, I do not, well, I never really liked Bomar, but I watched Bomar. Now I can't watch him anymore, but... Matt Taibbi came on and I really liked him. I thought he was cool. Um, I thought he's a good writer, which I still think he's a good writer. But now I've realized, oh, he's a horror. He's a shit stain. As you said, he's a horrible fucking person. And Aaron Rupar <laughs> just tweeted out today that uh, he's posting over on Truth Social now. 
So I think that's what we, we just that's all you fucking need to know about Matt Taibbi. He's over there on Truth Social, just like he goes on Fox News and he whines and complains. And my theory is, you know, he had to live in Russia or he, I'm sorry, he didn't have to. He lived in Russia. And we all know that Russia loves to, you know, find he's influential. He was a writer and he wrote for Rolling Stone. So I'm assuming that they've got some kind of compromise on him. I could be wrong. Maybe he's just a, you know, born a shit stain. I don't know. Um, turned into one by Putin. I don't know. But either way, I think it's really great that we all can see. And maybe Mehdi Hassan going after him was one of the most delightful things that I'd ever seen. And it's like he's just been shown to be. Let's just keep calling him the shit stain that he is because <laughs> I'm just just had to throw that out there. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a delightful experience watching yeah. him get owned by literally everyone. Uh, <laughs> yes, MSNBC. <laughs> he owned by Elon Musk himself. Yes, owned in congressional <laughs> hearings. Like it, it was delightful to watch. I've, I've never taken so much joy in watching one annoying person get hammered constantly at every turn. It's it quite delightful. Yeah. It really, 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 really was. Okay, let's talk about the um, the Trump campaign official acknowledging the off-the-record uh, off phone call with a Fox News producer that there was no evidence of physical issues with the Dominion voting machines. Ooh, this is very interesting. What do you think is going to come from all of this? Well, I think with this revelation, uh, literally everyone surrounding the 2020 misinformation campaign is fucked. Uh, <laughs> and that would <laughs> that would be Trump, his campaign. That would be Fox News and this defamation lawsuit that they're facing. They're going to get destroyed. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Yeah. Actually, have you ever seen no. <laughs> a, a major media outlet um, facing such a massive a defamation lawsuit no. and and losing even in part in a su summary judgment. I've I've never heard of it. I googled <laughs> I, and I looked. I, it, it's insane. Uh, yeah, and then the fact that that they chose the Alex Jones approach mm -hmm. of like, hey, we're not going to turn over uh, all this other damning information, <laughs> and we'll just hopefully play our cards right and see. And then they got caught. Yeah. Um, and Alex Jones lost a billion dollars. I can only imagine how much Fox News is about to lose. <sighs> um, and it's funny also <clears throat> that this individual, this Trump campaign affiliated individual. Uh, is is on the record about this in 2020 because mm -hmm. it is apparently uh, now obvious that that special counsel Jack Smith's investigation has engulfed his fundraising activities yeah. from 2020. Yeah. Uh, the idea being that raising, I, I assume, um, hundreds of millions of dollars on false claims yeah. is, is somehow illegal. I, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and saying it's somewhat reminiscent of Steve Bannon's Build the Wall Foundation mm -hmm. uh, charges that he's currently going to be having to deal with here soon. Yeah. So yeah, Trump's Trump's campaign might <laughs> look, this is such a massive issue <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. it, it affects nearly everything. Like so Trump raised all this money post-2020 on these election lines, right? And mm -hmm. his, his, his PAC's under investigation. Uh, it's entirely possible come the 2024 general election, uh, if he is somehow the Republican nominee, which, I mean, it's not a stretch to imagine that mm -hmm. he'll seal the deal, um, all that money might be toast. It might go up in smoke. <laughs> he might be running a, a bare-bones campaign on no dollars. I mean, yeah. he's led his dollars let his donors dry over the past couple of years. He might not have 
uh, anything to tap on to run a presidential campaign. So that's another uh, fun scenario to look forward to in the future. Yeah. Yes, and it makes me all giddy just thinking about it. You know, I watched um, Frank Luntz was on CNN. You know who he is? He's a GOP strategist who's just a dickhead from hell. And um, he, let me see, I, I have the notes here. Okay, so basically what he was telling the CNN person was that it is possible for another GOP, GOP candidate to knock Donald off from being the front runner. Um, some of the things that he said that they'd have to do is they, they have to be the change candidate that basically MAGA wants reform, but it, you know they, it, you can't campaign on the status quo. He says you have to di- that the candidate has going to have to differentiate between Trump the person and the Trump presidency, kind of and, and his suggestions were like, um, you know, telling, saying, you know, Trump has to stop being so cruel and he has to stop being negative. But I guess what they would do is, you know, give his presidency a bunch of praise, but say that they don't like Trump the person um, in order to be safe with the MAGA voters. And I just I think I mean, this thing is so fascinating to me because the MAGA voters are they are a minority they're they're a minority who can do damage but they have to be courted and if they don't hear the hatred and the cruelty and all the negative shit that trump is just feeding them 24 7 and it's getting worse and worse every day with him um do you think that it's possible somebody could actually knock him off and i mean if they're i don't know that there's anybody like could desantis do it or maybe could there be somebody who kind of pops up like Obama popped up late in the game and became the big star? He was there, but like once he showed up, everyone thought it was going to be Hillary, and then he shows up and he becomes the new star. Do you think there could be a similar situation on the Republican side? Okay. Well, for starters, Lance is crazy. Uh, that, I know, yeah. <laughs> presenting this this idea of a mythical candidate who can <laughs> knock Trump off in the in the primary, but is also see what he wants is someone that the general public can stomach that can yeah. also beat Trump. That that person doesn't exist. Hmm. But I I can tell you how I believe someone could possibly knock Trump off. Um, there's this there's this movie. I'm I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Again, I, I like movies in case mm-hmm. that comes up in the future. Um, it's called The Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, I haven't seen that popular one. Popular series. Yeah, it's popular, fairly popular science fiction series. Um, anyway, that's that's not the most important part. There, there's this group of people who travel from planet to planet, um, consuming basically the population to replenish their army as they go across the universe trying to conquer multiple worlds and whatnot. They're called necromongers. That's not even what's most important, but they have this concept, this like guiding principle that keeps the group together. It's, it's called you keep what you kill. Um, and for someone to knock Trump off and win the, the nomination, they're going to have to pull his heart out of his chest on stage in national on national <laughs> TV. Right. That that's the only way you're, you're not right. going to like, oh, I'm gonna like halfway like slide in here and squeeze this narrow path in between like criticizing Trump the person but loving Trump. No, you're going to have to pull his soul out and eat it on TV and and like his rotting corpse, you know, politically wriggling around on the stage for all yes. of America to see to oh win God. the Republican nomination. That's what it's going to take. You're going yeah. to have to like kill off his campaign 
like destroy it. Um, just the, it's not too dissimilar from um, the 2020 primary. Yeah. Uh, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when, and that's I mean that's that's so Bloomberg fascinating. Bloomberg got destroyed. Yeah. Oh my God! Yes, he did. But I mean, if you if you think about, I don't know. I heard somebody talking about this, but uh, like I think it was on MSNBC or something. How Ted Cruz? You know, no matter what you think of Tred, Ted Cruz, he's very good at debate, and Trump just destroyed him. Um, in 2016, he destroyed everybody on that stage. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Oh my God, the way that that presentation and that story, I think you're 100% right. They they would need because the, the they need that mega base, and the mega base wants would want that. I think that that's when they would let Trump go, and their obsession with him go, and then you know become obsessed with the new person who took his soul. And oh my God, that's hysterical. That is, I want to see like a meme of right. that now. <laughs> Like um, Trump would, Trump is coke for like the Republican base, right? Yes. They They need new coke to come kill off Trump. <laughs> but the thing is, like, the country doesn't want new coke, so they'd be screwed in the general election anyway. <laughs> so do you, I know, I know that this is really far off, but I ask everybody this, just like as we proceed toward twenty twenty four. Under you know, we know that there's likely going to be more indictments coming down. Um, Trump is going to continue to become more unhinged and more crazy every single day. So it's like, imagine what he's going to be like in August of 2024, um, especially if some of these, whether or not he goes to jail, but if he's like found guilty of things, or even if, if, if nothing has been decided at that point, but he's just under, you know, there's all kinds of lawsuits and stuff going on against him. Um, do, do you think that he has a shot? And I'm going to, I want to preface this with saying, you know, back in 2016, Everybody pretty much assumed he was not going to make it, and then he surprised everybody. But this is not 2016. So, with everything that's happened since then, do you think that he could win? All right. Well, let's go back to 2016 for just one second. Uh, let us not forget that Hillary Clinton beat his ass by millions yes, of votes. Like he did. won on a technicality. So mm -hmm. I guess anything is possible in in 2024. I I suppose. There could be some like legal technicality for him to find a way to steal the election should he win the nomination. But uh, no, there's there's no chance of of a legal path to mm -hmm. victory in 2024. I mean, we I think we've proven this. He is a loser. He lost in 2016 to Hillary, just like won on a technicality. Lost in the midterms in 2018. He lost in 2020. He lost in the midterms in 2022. <laughs> Guess what's coming in 2024, guys? More losing. More losing. They should have, they should have ripped off the Band-Aid mm -hmm. four years ago when yeah. they knew he was a loser and they knew he was insane and they knew he was going to drag the party down, but they, they couldn't help themselves. Yeah. Uh, they they yeah, they rallied behind him. They continue to double down. They don't continue to learn their lesson. It's actually, you know, that's 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 a very uh, accurate observation that could apply to all of the GOP yeah. statewide and and nationwide. So yeah, they don't learn their lesson. Yeah. Maybe they'll learn it after twenty twenty four. I don't know, but there's no chance. I, I mean, I guess that there is the long shot somehow of them rigging enough state legislatures so they could go mm -hmm. through with the the bogus elective scheme that failed in 2020. Maybe they could pull that off in 2024. I'm not entirely certain, but I feel like a number of those people will also be in prison very soon here because I'm fairly certain uh, Fannie Willis has gotten started. Uh, well, you know, there's 
multiple individuals who've been notified that they're targets of her investigation. Yeah. And I assume that the same thing will hold true in Jack Smith's investigation of the fake elector plot. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't even talk about that anymore, but it's it's quite wild. Like, mm-hmm. does anyone else remember Jeffrey Clark get, having his home <laughs> raided standing out on the street in his underwear? Because I do. <laughs> Yes, and it was just glorious. Um, you know what's what's heartening? <laughs> well, I mean, the site, not necessarily. <laughs> well, the not the site, right, but the idea. Um, one thing that I find heartening is, you know, I've had this, I've had David Pepper on my show before, and he is, he used to head, I think, the geo, I'm sorry, the Democrats in Ohio. Um, but he has a book out called Laboratories of Autocracy, and what I've noticed is, over the past at least just two nights, and it could be more because I don't always watch it, but MSNBC has been focusing on the importance of state houses, specifically on Chris Hayes. And this is what David Pepper has been talking about. And, and you know, I mean, hence the term laboratories of autocracy is basically our state houses across the nation. And so most voters are just, you know, participating in the presidential election. They don't know who their local representatives are or their local candidates because they they just don't understand the importance. And I'm kind of hopeful because now that this is getting coverage, I mean, the Republicans have been doing this forever. The Koch brothers have been targeting, you know, local elections and state houses for so long. And unfortunately, because they've been doing this and Democrats have not, you know, we're seeing all of these, especially in the red states, um, just like with Tennessee, all these like mega controlled houses. And I don't know how this is going to play out in 2024, but Democrats really do need to get that game going strong. And I'm, like I said, I'm heartened to see that they're talking about it now, because if they are, that means that it's, it's going to hopefully reach, you know, the, the party and how they're organizing the DNC and all of that. I mean, you look at Ben Winkler and what happened with, with uh, Wisconsin, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to do that game. And who was it? I was, I think it was the woman I'm not sure um, whose name, of course, I can't, I'm so fucking bad at names, but the, the woman in Tennessee, the, the very nice l- white lady, what is her name? <laughs> Gloria Johnson. Gloria Fantastic Johnson. Fantastic woman. Okay, Gloria Johnson. I think it was her, but um, it might not have been. But, she, you know, somebody in Tennessee was talking about how when people were knocking on, are knocking on doors, um, they don't know, you know, when Democrats are going out canvassing, they, the, the voters are not aware of who their state representatives are, um, anything like that. So it is up to us, it's up to the Democrats, and I guess people like you and me who have some influence to, you know, send this message out to and say, you know, you got to pay attention because even like with abortion, if, if a state's law is that abortion is legal, it doesn't matter, um, you know, that Ro- oh, Roe v. Wade was overturned, it'll still be available in that state. So I don't know, ha- have you been t- keeping track of this or, you know, do you have any feelings about it or thoughts? Oh man, I have so many, but I would, I mean, I guess the shortest answer to that is like, it's incredibly important that everyone in every state pay attention to yeah. your, your local and state races. Like, again, like you said, these things matter because once Republicans reach a majority in the, in the state legislatures or where they have like the trifecta with the state houses, the state senates and, and the governorship, uh, they will pass unpopular laws. Mm-hmm. 
unpopular, oppressive, authoritarian laws. And, and once they have power, they dig in, they change the rules, they make it more difficult to vote, they gerrymander districts, so there's there's less adequate representation that reflects the population. And, and, and beyond that, if you do eventually happen to have uh, enough turnout in a particular election to maybe win back the the state legislature and the governorship, they've, they've installed judges and changed the law. So once, once you have the, the powers of democracy um, on your side in your state to try and change these laws, judges strike those rulings mm-hmm. down. So they basically rig the game. Um, I, I don't know a solution for this problem short term. Um, the only real solution for this problem long term is, is to just inform everyone mm-hmm. Of, of how the system has been rigged, gets them to turn out and vote, not just one time, mm-hmm. not just not just like those people in 2016 who were like, well, I voted for Hillary and mm-hmm. we got screwed. I never voted. No, you have to make a lifelong decision yeah. to be dedicated to the cause, to turn out every single election. It's not like it's not like your job. You don't go to work one day and be like, oh, I wonder why <laughs> they didn't pay me for the rest of my life. No, you go to work every day. You put the hours in. You do the hard work. So and eventually, true. You, yeah, you, that, you get rewarded it. for it. That's a good way to put it. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna the last thing I want to ask you and talk to you about is spoutable, and um, I think you know, like I said, you and I kind of started talking a little bit more because of boozy and everything, and you know, I have a hope for spoutable that, and and it's not just spoutable because I know that there are other sites out there whether it's mastodon which i'm not a big fan of poster mastodon maybe if they improve the way i don't know like the the experience is a little frustrating for me and obviously with spoutable it's still a new site it's i think it's like only 70 days or something like that and so it's it's really it's amazing what he's been able to do in such a short period of time but it doesn't have the ease of use yet as twitter and i don't expect that it will for a little while he's you know he's He's doing what he can, and the thing is, and he, you know, he said this publicly many times, he did not take money from venture capitalists because he didn't want anybody, except for the community, the spoutable community, to determine you know, what is going to happen on that site, which I think is really cool. And it means it might take a little longer. For, you know, it's, it's pe- more people have to come, and then the more people that are there, he's going to get backers, advertisers, whatever happens to get money which i don't know because that's way beyond what i can understand but boozy knows all about it um (laughs) but you know i mean i find that the experience over there is pleasant and it's not just because it's a liberal bubble it's because there is no tolerance for hatred and targeted harassment i think that's one of the most important things and i'm i'm like thinking that if we're able to get the site you know, um, get enough people on that site where it's really taken seriously. I do think it serves as an opportunity for democracy because we don't have to worry about Russian disinformation or disinformation, you know, from foreign adversaries, people leaving that platform because they're being bullied and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm wondering, are you thinking that that's how you're seeing some of these new sites? Are you hopeful that because of what's happening with fucking Elon Musk? Oh my God, I hate that man so much. Um, that you know we're going. That would to take a whole podcast yes. to go down the Elon Musk rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, I hate him so much. Oh. Um, but do you think that it's that this happening to Twitter is going to create a new social media experience? I think in a general sense, because obviously it's not going to change everything. 
but it, it, it could, you know, our big ones have been Twitter and Facebook and yes, Instagram, but really with when it comes to news with misinformation, whether it's about COVID or Black Lives Matter or vaccines or any of that stuff, it's all coming from those two sites. And so, you know, like primarily, I mean, there's other ones too, but those are the big ones that everyone's on. So do you think it, this is going to spark like a whole new wave of social media sites that actually might benefit democracy? Um, well, I guess as far as like a wave of social media sites, I don't think that'll be the case. I think there will be a number of people as, as Twitter is clearly declining. There will be a number of of, of sites who try and fill the void. Uh, but I think that at, in the long run, as far as these like micro blogging sites go, there's probably only going to be room for a couple of standouts. Yeah. And that's, that's because <laughs> what makes Twitter valuable and Elon Musk just doesn't seem to un understand this. It's, it's not, it's not the, it's not the interface. It's not, the usability of this. I mean, those things matter, of mm -hmm. course, right? But what makes Twitter valuable is that everyone's there mm -hmm. in the interconnected nature of being able to communicate with uh, the random stranger all the way up to the most famous people in America. And like um, for any social media platform to fill that space, it would have to create an environment that would draw those people who have invested their time in into Twitter, uh, who are not very, uh, who who don't have a positive feeling about the way uh, the direction Twitter is headed, mm -hmm. and are looking for a viable alternative. And, and since you brought up Spoutable, I will have to admit, of of all the alternatives I've tried, it is certainly my favorite. And this yes. is not necessarily because I'm I'm biased because of Boozy's work. I mean, I feel like um, even if you didn't know Christopher Boozy, uh, especially, you know, given I'm sure the experience that you've had on Twitter being a woman, mm -hmm. and, and then you log out of Twitter mm -hmm. and you log in to Spoutable, and you're like, hey, this is totally fucking different. No one's <laughs> calling me all these racist or no evil misogynist derogatory terms right. and trolling me and saying terrible things. And like, everyone's friendly. And it's, you know, considering the size of the audience of Spoutable, um, you know, it only being in what tens of thousands, if if maybe not a hundred thousand. Yeah. But like the interconnectivity and and the fact that people are constantly engaging on there, mm -hmm. it by volume rivals Twitter. Mm -hmm. So he's he's got some good things going for him. And as far as like uh, the usability of a Spoutable, yes, it's brand new, but. Like he keeps adding features mm -hmm. and making improvements at like a rapid scale. Like it, imagine all the things that that Spoutable has available on 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 that platform uh, that took Twitter years, if not a decade, mm -hmm. to apply. Well, he's uh, got yeah. that up and running in mind. So if you just be patient with the guy, yeah, uh, I imagine he will have a fantastic rival, if not the number one competitor to Twitter long term. Um, I mean, I, I assume that it's possible that someone could develop an alternative that would rival, uh, you know, the tra the trajectory that's available is on. So I, I don't want to rule that out. Mm -hmm. But just from where I stand now, uh, I'm looking forward long term to actually moving to Spoutable full time as, as soon as Twitter crashes and burns like one yeah. of Elon's rockets or cars. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I always said, I said, if anyone's going to do this and you know what, 
I was actually talking to someone else who was working on a different website, and it wasn't necessarily the Twitter alternative. It was just a new social media site. And, you know, there were some issues that came up, and that's been put on hold. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But even during that process, I said, if anyone is going to create a Twitter alternative, it's going to be boozy, especially because, you know, I mean, he, he already knows what he's doing. He's got Bot Sentinel, and he's he was, you know, very popular on Twitter. I, I remember the first time that I became aware of him, it, of course, it was his attitude, and he was um, going after, I don't know if you know who Ryan Knight is, but I'm not a big fan of Ryan Knight. And so, not a fan. Yeah, yeah. and Boozy. He is, a, he is the Taibbi of Bernie politics. Totally, totally. And, um, <laughs> oh my God, watching Boozy go after him with his humor and sarcasm, I was like, I love this man. I love this man. I need to get him on my podcast. And so, of course, you know, we started a relationship and uh, that way when he was on my podcast. And then when he started talking about, you know, after he accurately predicted the election and he's like, OK, I think I'm going to consider doing this. I just thought he's the one to do it. I felt it in my gut and I, I just knew from his, you know, the he understand what's and the reason why is because since he's on Twitter, just like you and I are all the fucking time he understands what's good about it and what he liked about it so i would imagine that you know i thought well he's just going to bring all that stuff in plus he won't have the hate he won't allow the hate so it's just going to be a really good site and like you said of all the alternatives out there so far this one is my favorite i like i like the experience over there and i just want to say to everybody listening who is probably so sick of me talking about spoutable at this point but i just so <laughs> desperately want everyone to go over there so we can all be over there instead of people paying elon you know people who oh, have yes. legacy everyone, checks try everyone out there listening all i'm asking you to do is just try spoutable because I, I imagine what you'll immediately find is is that your mood goes up. Uh-huh. Instead of when you log on to Twitter and your mood goes down. And just that experience alone will be enough to encourage you to use it more and more. That's that's all we ask. Yes, definitely. And I mean and, and the whole thing with the with the blue check thing, he's doing it old school, so we know that uh. if Valerie Bertinelli is over there, it's really who she says she is. And you know, it's it's not just this whole I mean, I know they're doing that on post too, but like we were just saying, the spoutable experience so far is the closest thing to Twitter. It's the easiest thing to do. And so far, and it's fun. Plus, every single day. I mean, I just convinced Liz, Wed Liz Winstead to go over there yesterday. And um, so it's like, we're, you know, I guess Fred Guttenberg is over there. Uh, a number of right. other people, you know, every day Boozy's saying, so-and-so's here now, so-and-so's here now. So um, I think it's going to happen. I don't know how long it's going to take. But like you said, the crashing and burning part, uh, I don't think it's going to take too long. We're, we're going to lose our legacy checks on the 20th, evidently. And then Trump's coming back to Twitter, I think, in June. And so I think that's just going to get a whole bunch of people to say, I can't take this shit anymore, and they'll leave. I'm hoping, but we'll see. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I would just say that um, the way Luntz was looking for a uh, a Republican candidate who's Trump without the baggage. Mm -hmm. Spoutable is Twitter without the baggage. Yeah, so true. That's a perfect way to put it. Well, you know, it's just been so much fun talking to you. You're really easygoing and easy to talk to. So um, I wanted to say thank you for being on the show. And before Absolutely, I... it's been a pleasure. Oh, well, thank you. And before I let you go, tell everybody where to find you. 
Yes, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Black Knight. You'll know the well, Black Knight 10K rather. Uh, you'll know the right individual popped up when you see I smoked uh, <laughs> as part of the screen name. Uh, you can also find uh, my podcast. It's called Pardon the Insurrection. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Like it's it's easy to find. Type in Insurrection. There's not a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. about that, surprisingly. So, yeah, Pardon the Insurrection. Join the club. Uh, it's actually more, even more lighthearted and fun than it is on the podcast with Kimberly. So <laughs> you're welcome to join us anytime. Uh, we try not to get too dark, even when, even though we cover like news topics of the week, and, and they can typically be rather down and depressing, but we make it uh, entertaining and somewhat lighthearted, or at least as lighthearted as we can be. Yeah, very cool. And and you're on Spoutable too. Are you're D Knight, right? That's correct. Yes, and so I have all of those links in the Patreon description of this show. I urge you to follow. D and then you know listen to his podcast go over to spoutable do all that fun stuff i'm on twitter author kimberly ley i'm on spoutable kimberly johnson and then my books are on amazon d it was awesome talking to you thanks again for being on the show absolutely Take love care. to do it again you will <laughs> take care <laughs> bye-bye <laughs>